Welcome to the Highland Church Podcast, where we share biblical teaching to glorify God and to bless you. This year, we're talking about my part, God's plan. God has a purpose for you, and that purpose is a part of God's bigger plan for the world. Now, if you connect with what you hear today, I hope you'll join us online Sundays at 10 a.m., or that you'll join us on-site right here in Memphis, Tennessee. Now, let's jump into today's teaching, and don't forget, you're part of God's Well, good morning, church. Hey, we're going to be in Genesis 2 today. So if you want to get out your Bible and turn there, you can. Genesis 2, starting in verse 15. There's four or five verses right there that we're going to draw on this morning, just go deeply in. Real practical stuff this morning. I hope you'll be encouraged and um, blessed by it. As we start, can we start with prayer this morning? <clears throat> God, I thank you for your body that's gathered here in this place. I'm thankful for your body that stretches around the world this morning. I'm thankful for those who are joining us online and worshiping with family this morning, part of your body all over the world. God, this morning as we think about your body and its expansiveness, we're also celebrating because this morning there is a a brand new kingdom outpost here in Memphis, a new church, Oikos Church, that's worshiping for the first time right now. And so, God, I just pray your great blessings over them. I pray, God, that there's somebody there who doesn't know you who comes to know you this morning. I pray the same for us here, God. Maybe there's somebody who's far from you this morning who has stumbled in or come with a friend. God, I'm thankful that they're here, and I pray you would bless them. pray you would bless them this morning. Um, God, I'm also this morning thinking about our missionaries in Ukraine. And God, as you know, of course, and we all know that there are tensions escalating there between Russia and Ukraine. We have two missionaries there and their families, Vitaly and Kostya. And so I just want to take a moment, God, with your people to lift them up in prayer and pray your protection and your peace for them this morning. And God, we pray your great blessings on them. God, as we go to, to your word this morning, these ancient words, I pray that you would bring to us a fresh word that's just from you, just for us this morning. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me get my keys out of my pocket here. Uh, The other day, a couple months ago, we went with some friends um, out of town, and we went hiking all day with the kids. And uh, I mean, all day. You can't hike that long with kids. So eventually, we came to this creek, this cold cold creek, and the creek was full of crawdads. And so we had a couple of Sonic cups in the car. We went and grabbed those. And then we just caught crawdads for hours. And we'd fill those Sonic cups with crawdads. And then we'd go upstream, let them go, and catch them all over again. <laughs> and then we went to this spot, this high spot, this overlook. <clears throat> and they told us, our friends, that sometimes bald eagles nest up here. And I, I've never seen a bald eagle in the wild. And so I was all about this. And so we hike up there with the kids, and the kids are being quiet. And sure enough, there is a bald eagle on the top of this tree. I mean, it was one of the most majestic things I'd ever seen. And the kids are pointing at it. And then all of a sudden, they're screaming, and the bald eagle flies away, right? That night, we uh, roasted s'mores by a campfire outside. And we ate those s'mores while the kids ran around and shrieked in the darkness with delight. And we watched the stars come out. And I remember sitting there on that chair, sitting by the fire with these friends, listening to the kids, watching the stars, thinking to myself, this is the good life. You ever had one of those moments like that? One of those moments you don't want to forget. One of those moments you just treasure. This 
is the good life. I think everybody wants to live a good life, wants to have a good life. I got on Amazon just the other day just to check this out. I, I searched good life. And just in the book section, there were over 10,000 results about how to have a good life. Somebody's reading those books. We want a good life. You know, Genesis 2, if you read Genesis 2 this afternoon, I hope you will. Genesis 2 starts with God breathing his breath into the first human. It's the breath of God that gives us life. But I want to live a life that's more than just breathing. I want to live a life that has a different kind of quality. I was thinking about this on Monday. I always remember Martin Luther King Jr., like I know most of you were. And he, he said this. He said, the quality, not the longevity of one's life, is what's important was the case in his life. The quality, not the longevity of one's life is what's important. And this is actually a biblical idea. You know what James says? This is James 3.13. James says this, <clears throat> who is wise and understanding among you, let them show it by their good life. I want to live a life like that. But you know, if it requires me seeing a bald eagle, it, you know, the, the times that I feel that way are going to be rare. And so it, it, it kind of makes me think about what, what actually is on the checklist of the good life. Like, what are the things I actually have to have for my life to have the kind of quality I desire? And I want to be really clear this morning as we're talking about what a good life includes. Having a good life is not what saves you. Okay. You can have a crummy life and you're going to be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ if you'll believe in him and give your life to him in baptism. Okay. Praise God for that. But the Bible still affirms that we should aspire to a good life. You know, and that's really one way to come to Genesis 1 and 2, is to come to Genesis 1 and 2 trying to understand what is, what makes for the good life. Because you'll remember this, that everything God creates in Genesis 1 and 2, God says about what he creates, that it is good. And God saw that it was good. We see that refrain over and over again in Genesis 1 and 2. And Jesus doesn't just think that Genesis 1 and 2 is, Genesis 1 and 2 is interesting or notable. Jesus thinks that what we have here in Genesis 1 and 2, the design of God for the good life should be authoritative over our lives. In Matthew 19, uh, Jesus is asked a question. The question is about marriage and divorce. And Jesus answers that question about what you should do based on the good design of God in Genesis 1 and 2. Like Jesus thought that if, you, if we lived back into our design, the good life that God designed for us, that would be the best thing for us. That would be good. Okay. All right, so let's look at Genesis 2, starting in verse 15. And what I want to show you are what I think are the, the markers or the checklist of the good life. Again, this isn't what saves you. But as you're thinking about the start of the year, what kind of life you want to lead this year, the quality of life you want to have, what do you have to have to have a good life? And I'll tell you, these verses have been challenging to me. I've been rethinking some of what I'm doing because of these verses. Let me show you here. Starting in Genesis 2, <clears throat> verse 15. Let's grab that here. <clears throat> the Lord God took the man and put him, this is the first man, in the Garden of Eden, to work it and to take care of it. To work it and to take care of it. Let me, let me suggest this. That by God's design, the first thing that you need to live a good life is a job. You're like, Eric, you lost me. I'm out. Uh, 
I'm out. Come back next week. Uh, and I don't blame you. Did, did, did you know that research has proven that most heart attacks, sorry, you're more likely to have a heart attack on Monday morning than any other time? Monday morning. You're least likely to have a heart attack when? Saturday. Saturday. Least likely to have a heart attack on Saturday. So biologically, it's really questionable whether work is good for us, okay? Uh, and I think, you know, if you've ever thought about it, maybe you never thought about this, that, that we kind of tend to think that the reason we have to work is because the world's messed up because of sin, Genesis 3 and what comes after. I mean, I think we think that what God designed us for is to just sit in the garden hanging out with him all day and monkeys would hang from their tail just lowering bananas and oranges down into our mouth all day and the trees would just fan us. Like that's what we think must have been the good life that God designed. But that's not the case. Look at this, before human sin, which is in Genesis 3, we're gonna talk about that next week. Before human sin, they're given a job. Look at that. Let me say this, I want you to remember this tomorrow morning. Even if we had never sinned, we would have to work. Look at that. Think about that. And, and maybe a better way to put this isn't that you need a job, but you need a purpose. To live a life without purpose is not good for you. That's not what you were designed for. Let me give you an example. There's a wonderful lady here at Highland. Her name's Charlotte Patterson. Uh, Charlotte has retired from her day job. And you, some of you don't know this. Charlotte Patterson was a, was a big wig in Memphis Logistics. She was one of the go-to people. If you wanted big stuff shipped all over the world, she was the person who was in charge of that. And she's retired from that. But what I love about Miss Charlotte is she's retired from her job, but she has not retired from having a purpose. Like she can't sit still. She leads our Paragould Children's Home Ministry. And just the other day, this was right before Christmas, she took 13 ladies from Highland and they went to Paragould Children's Home with cars full of gifts and wrapping paper for those kids and those um, house parents in Paragould Children's Home. And they wrapped 150 gifts with those um, kids and those parents or those house parents there, wrapped 150 gifts for them so they would have an awesome Christmas. What I love about Miss Charlotte is she is retired from her job, but she has not quit having a purpose. You know, to have a purpose is not a punishment by God. That is a gift. That is a blessing from God that God wants for us. This year, our goal at Highland is to help you figure out what we're calling my part and God's plan. So I'm preaching God's plan. And the purpose is that you, at some point this year, figure out what your part in God's plan is. And so to help with that, our staff and elders are working on a list right now, a master list, okay? And the list has three levels. The list are the jobs we need done that nobody's doing. The next step up is if we didn't have a shortage of volunteers and we could do everything we wanted, what would we do? Okay, what would those roles be? And the top of the list is if we dreamed big, if there was no limit to what we thought God was calling us to do, what would we have people doing at and through this church? Okay, those three levels. Our goal this year is to figure out where you fit because it's good for you to have a purpose. You were designed to have a purpose. Think about that. What is your purpose? You know, I'm thinking about Sean Gearson. There's a volunteer leading our men's ministry, leading guys deeper into the Word of God each Wednesday night. I'm thinking about Trey Spangenberger. We've got a shower for him and his wife. They're having their first baby right after church this morning. Trey's the guy that does our security in the children's wing and keeps our kids safe every week. He's a police officer, so he's out there protecting us in the streets all week long, and then he comes here to protect us too. And let me, let me point out that the, the language here in Genesis 2, to work it and to take care of it, the man is charged to do. To work it and to take care of what that, what that actually means is to protect it. You know, the job or the purpose that humans are given is to protect 
what God has made, the good thing God's made. I think about our huddle leaders over in HYG in the youth group. Now, these are these people, they're, um, you know, they have all kinds of different jobs, teachers, real estate agents, all kinds of different things. But they come every Sunday, a lot of times on Wednesday nights, a lot of times they're checking on our teens through the week. They come to pour into our kids. Why? They're, they're trying to protect them. It's hard to be a teenager right now. I know that we say it was hard to be a teenager in my day. I think it's harder to be a teenager now than it's ever been. And that's because the assault is in their pocket. Now they're carrying it, around, carrying it around with them. And when God gives Adam this job to protect the good creation he's made in Genesis 2, we don't know that there's anything out to get God's good creation. But by Genesis 3, it is really clear there are forces that want to ruin every good thing God has made. And so here we have some people over there just giving up their time to protect our kids. You know, there's like, there's like one to two huddle leaders for every 10 to 12 kids. That's a ratio of like one leader for five kids. Praise God for that. Can you imagine if we had five leaders for every one kid? Maybe God's calling you to that. Can you imagine the difference that would make for our kids? It is good for you to have a life of purpose. Don't coast by. That's not good for you. So that's the first thing. If you're going to live a good life, you need a life of purpose. Let me show you the second thing. It's in the very next verse. <clears throat> the Lord God, sorry, I'll look right here. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it, to protect it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you'll certainly die. I wrestled with the word to use for the second one that you need. So if the first thing you need is purpose, the second thing I think you need is instruction. That's what I'm going to call it. But I, again, I wrestled with the words. I thought about command, because that's the word that's used here. I thought about boundaries or guardrails. But what essentially this boils down to, even if humans had never sinned, we were designed to need the instruction of the Lord. Look at that. Again, I think, I think there's this myth that we got this big book with all these instructions because we sinned in Genesis 3. And so now I got to look at this thing all the time and it's trying to steal all the fun from my life. And who wants that? And, you know, there is this idea that boundaries or guardrails or commands are burdensome and they're not good for me. Was it, was it Bing Crosby who's saying, Oh, give me land, lots of land, and starry skies above. Don't what? Fence me in. Y'all need to listen to your Bing Crosby a little bit more. <laughs> Don't fence me in. I want those wide open spaces, not, not rules, not fences. Um, I told this story a couple of years ago. Uh, I'll tell it again. I was a preacher's son, as you know. My dad preached here not long ago. I was a preacher's son growing up, and one Sunday morning after church, all the, the, the kids and the teenagers stayed after church, and we were working on this service project together and preparing for this presentation we were supposed to be doing. Our children's ministers directing us and doing all this. And so I got tired of that a little way through it. And so I took some of my buddies, and we went to the empty auditorium to play Capture the Flag instead of doing what we were supposed to do. And the baptistry was the base you were trying to get to, okay? So the children's minister finds us. She comes, and she comes into the dark auditorium. She says, Eric Gentry. I kind of walk up to her and she says, you're supposed to be in there doing that. And I told her, my dad owns this church. 
It didn't go well for me. Um, and if my kids ever say that, let me know. Uh, don't fence me in. I don't want rules. Okay, you know something about that children's minister to this day? She sends me, my wife, and my three kids birthday cards on our birthdays. She's like the best woman ever who wanted the best for me. There is this myth, and it's a myth that God's word is instruction. His boundaries are a burden to me. And that myth is as old as Adam and Eve. We're going to look at this next week. What do Adam and Eve decide to do in Genesis 3? To disregard God's word, believing that God's instructions aren't the best thing for them. And what happens? Everything turns into a mess. I think about King David. <clears throat> Many of you know the story of King David. King David's called a, a man after God's own heart. I mean, this is a guy living for the Lord, but notably, there's a time in David's life when he badly veers off track. You know, he commits adultery, then he commits murder. I mean, he goes flagrantly out of bounds of God's instruction. What happens to him? His life turns into a mess. And so, notably, let me point this out. It's David who gives us Psalm 23, that psalm most of you know by heart. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And he goes on to say, your rod and your staff, they what? Comfort me. I mean, let me just point it out for those of you who don't raise sheep. You know, your rod and your staff are the ways that the shepherd keeps the sheep in line. You know, reins them in. It's the way that the shepherd provides instruction. And David comes to this point where he realizes that the nudging and the prodding of the Lord, the guidance of the Lord isn't a burden to him. It's what? It's a comfort. It's a great blessing. If we're going to live a good life, we got to be bathed. We got to savor. We got to go deep into the word of the Lord. We need God's instruction in our life if we're going to have a good life. But that's not the, the last thing. That's the second. We need God's purpose in our life and God's instruction. But let me show you one more thing. And this, man, really, I just can't, I can't emphasize how important this is. Look at the last thing, the very next verse, verse 18. So the Lord God said, it is not good. Now, pause here. Everything else God has made has been awesome. It's been good. But God gets to this point where he looks at everything he made, and he said, there's one thing that's not good, and he's going to set about to fix this. He said, it is not good for the man to be alone. It is not good for the man to be alone. I met with one of our young adults not long ago. He's a young guy. And... Um, He's been going through kind of a crisis, you might call it. Trying to make a really big life decision, a decision that involves work and where he's going to live and things like that. And he just doesn't have clarity about the decision. And so he got together because he wanted to talk about making that decision with me. But, but pretty soon this happens sometimes. He starts unloading about all these other things going on in his life. And he's in the middle of a big faith struggle, too. Um, he's really kind of disoriented or disenfranchised with the church, not with our church specifically, just with the church generally. He's been really discouraged about how a lot of Christians have responded during the pandemic. He was discouraged about how a lot of Christians responded during the political mess of the last few years, during the racial division of the last few years. So there's all kinds of things where he's just been disappointed with Christians and because of that disillusioned with the church and in some, to some extent disillusioned with Jesus. And I said, well, how's your how's your prayer life going? And he said, oh, Eric, I haven't prayed in a real long time. Really long time. I can't remember the last time I prayed. 
So he's disoriented about his future, his purpose. He's disoriented about his faith. Can't even pray. I said, tell me what else is going on. Well, he says, you know, um, I've been kind of isolated the last two years. I've been trying to play it really safe with COVID and, and be really cautious and conscientious about that. And listen, as somebody who's had COVID twice, I think that's what we need to do. And I don't blame him for that. I don't recommend it, okay? And I was like, well, how's that been for you? He said, yeah, it's been okay. You know, one of the things I've noticed is that like all of my good relationships have kind of faded. And, uh, you know, I, I used to be a part of this group of guys that would study the word together. And I, I, I kind of dropped out of that and haven't been part of that. I haven't been to the young adult Wednesday night group in forever. I can't remember the last time I've been to church. I've just kind of been alone, just kind of, kind of alone the whole time. Okay, do you think there's any connection between his isolation and his problems? Yes. I'm, like, that doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out. You're disoriented in nearly every part of your life, and you're all alone. Like, why is that a problem? Well, because God said it's not good for us to be alone. That's not good for us to be alone. Um, he goes on to say here, let me just show you something here. This is kind of a, a side note. But what God does to address the loneliness of man is he creates from his side a, a woman. And then we have Adam and Eve, this first couple who are, are joined together. And there's a beautiful sermon here about marriage. In fact, I've preached on Genesis 2 not long ago in relation to when Jesus quotes from it in Mark. And so God creates this woman, and the NIV translates it, he's going to make a helper for her, but that's, a, that's actually not a great translation. It's a military term. What it actually means is ally. Okay, so remember, Adam's given the job of protecting God's creation, which implies it's under assault, and what's he given? An ally. An ally to help him do his job. And the ally's made from his side, implying equality, not from his feet, that she's beneath him, or from his head, that she's above him. She's made from his side. Here's this partner, this ally that he has for this job. And then, if you go on in Genesis 2, we are given physical intimacy between a man and woman as one of God's good gifts before the fall. So that'd be a great sermon to preach. Some of you are like, preach that sermon, Eric, okay? So I'm not going to... I'm not going to do that one today. There's a great sermon we could preach here about marriage, but do you have to be married to have the good life? I don't think so. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7 that it's better to be single than to be married. He wishes more people would be single because there's things you can do when you're living with God's purpose under God's instruction when you are single that you can't as easily do when you're married. So the church needs to glorify singleness. I mean, I want to preach on that sometime. Let's glorify singleness, but let's not make the mistake of ever glorifying loneliness. There are costs to being alone. And God says that's not good for us. He says you need a team in your life. You know, Paul, who says it's better to be single, was single and never, ever traveled alone. He was never alone. Even when he was in prison, he made sure people came and visited him. <clears throat> Let me wrap things up here with a this, with this story. I've got a good buddy, and um, man, I can't tell you how important this guy is to me. I just love him so much. And he's a, a leader in his church, um, a servant of the church. He's a leader in his family. 
But over a year ago, he, he went through a really tough time, lost somebody that was really important to him. And ever since then, I mean, you, you, could, you could see the sadness in his eyes. I mean, he was powering through. He was, he was working hard, but he was grieving for sure. And about Christmas time, now I guess it was the new year, I get a text from him. It's out of the blue. And the text says, Eric, you probably don't know this, but I've been coasting the last year. And it's not good for me. I'm ready to live with a purpose. He said, I'm ready to put it in drive. <laughs> and then he started describing to me all the things he's going to do this year. And I've seen the fruit of this already playing out in his life. He started to describe to me the purpose that he's gonna renew, be renewed in this year. So he's talking about the way he's gonna be sharing Jesus in his workplace, the way he's gonna be forming his family into the image of Jesus, the leadership that he's gonna provide at his church. And then he starts talking about the way that he's gonna be pouring into God's instruction this year. He's got this Bible reading plan that he's following this year. He's still on the plan. He's gonna be pouring into that this year. In fact, he told me, Eric, I'm gonna read two things this year. I'm gonna read my Bible and I'm gonna read C.S. Lewis. And I said, amen. And then he told me about this group of guys that he's part of. He's called, they have a text thread. They're called the Kingdom Brothers. And the Kingdom Brothers get together on Tuesday for coffee and breakfast before work. And he, he said, Eric, I'm committed to being with my Kingdom Brothers 42 times this year. So he's given himself a couple misses. But he's got a goal. He is going to be with them 42 times. And I'll tell you, if you look at him in the face, his eyes are different now. You know, he's still sad. But he's been renewed. You know, I think that we all want this good life, right? We all want it. And Genesis makes it really clear. If you want the good life, you need a purpose. You need God's instruction in your life. And you need a good team. You need a good team on your side. And let me make it really clear again as we're finishing. This is just like practical sermon 101. Just some things you might need at the beginning of the year coming from God's design in Genesis 2. This is about as practical as it gets. Let me just point out one more time, this does not save you. You can live a, live a crummy life and you can still be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay. This is not what saves you, but like King said, like James says, like Jesus says, I want a life that's not just breathing, Right? I want a quality of life. I want a life that matters. And so what if this afternoon you did this? What if this afternoon you took a little time and you looked at these three areas of your life and you tried to figure out how you're doing in, every, in each of the three? What's my purpose? Do I know it? Am I diving into the instruction of God's word? And who's on my team? Do I have a good team? I want you to think about that this week and let me know what you figure out. I want to pray over you just a prayer of blessing. Just a prayer of blessing as we leave this place. God, we believe as your people that your design for us is what is best for us. God, I pray that as you designed each of us would live with purpose. Each of us would pursue your instruction in our lives. And each of us would have a team, godly allies helping us in our job of protecting the good creation, the good design that you've made for us from assault. 
God, I, I sense that there are people in this room that don't have one of the three. I think there's a lot of people in this room that are lonely and isolated who came here maybe by themselves today just hoping to connect with somebody. God, I pray that maybe there's somebody sitting beside them who might just reach out and say hello to them. Maybe that'll be the, the start of a, a new team. God, there's somebody here who's going through the motions, going to work every day or raising kids every day. They're just tired and worn out. They're exhausted, God. They're trying to figure out, like, what is my purpose? What is it I'm supposed to do for you? Would you make that clear to them, Lord? And God, we know that what's best for us is to be in your word. Sometimes it's, well, it's the last thing we look to. God, I pray that you would make it the first thing we look to. God, as we think about your word, we think most of all of Jesus Christ, who is your word and has been from the beginning. Jesus is what you have been saying from the beginning, God. And we praise you, Lord, that we are saved by his grace alone. Would you fill us with his grace today? Would you wash us in his blood? And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.